We have especially in the past week or so experienced the world changing rapidly to what we can and can't do as citizens of the globe. But one thing has stayed the same. God is God, we are not, and we need him. God is God, we are not, and we need him. In fact, God being God is something that we need to all remember in a time like this, don't you think? Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that brings such encouragement to my soul that a week ago when we didn't think it was this big a deal that he was God, and today when we know it's a big deal, he is God, and next week what we don't expect or know what's going to happen, Jesus is still God. You know why? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus doesn't change no matter how this world changes. He is consistent. He is constant. And let me remind you as we sang that first song, he is king. So I want to, as one of the pastors, one of the elders of this church, tell you that this is a special time in history, a special time in Jesus' church life. And we as the church of the living God of the heavens and earth, he gave us the great commandment. He gave us the great commission, and he is not surprised at all by what the world is currently experiencing. In Matthew chapter 22, 35 through 37, some religious people came to stump Jesus. They wanted to see if he would quote something other than the Old Testament, and so they came to him, and it says in verse 35, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So what does Jesus do? He quotes Moses. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So let's get practical today. Today is a practical sermon. I'm sorry, we're not going through the book of John verse by verse this week. We probably won't do it next week, but we want to equip our people. We want to encourage our people. We want to give our people an opportunity to engage together. So what does it look like to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind while the world is drastically changed in just the past few weeks, where you may not be able to work, where you may not be able to go out of your house at some point, where your kids or maybe you cannot go to school. I'd say this, loving God with all of your heart does not mean you have ooey-gooey feelings. Say, it's not ooey-gooey feelings. (laughs) Nice. At home, I don't know if anyone did it. But loving God with all your heart means you obey him at his word. Because he is a wonderful father who created you, a wonderful father who knows you, a wonderful father who redeemed you through the work and person of Jesus Christ. We obey because we are God's possession. We obey because we are God's possession. I just want to point out something. That apostrophe means everything. We're not gods. We are gods. See the difference? God has adopted us. We are not our own God, no matter how much a bunch of us end up worshiping ourselves. It is all about him, and if we have trusted Jesus, we are God's possession. And when you see your identity as God's possession, wanting to obey him, wanting to be like Jesus as he makes you look more like Jesus, if that's the goal of your life, if that's the purpose of your being, then that's how we love God with all of our heart. Because we trust him and we do what he says. To love him with all of your soul seems redundant, doesn't it? 
considering to love him with our heart is to live as his possession, but our soul is our inner being of who we are, and we don't love God because we don't just love God because we are his. We love God because he is ours, because as we have trusted him, he is our God, as he would say to the Israelites, I am your God. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We love because he first loved us. He becomes our God, our Father, our redemption, our salvation, our everything. And to love God with our mind may mean that we want to know more about him. We want to learn things that we never knew before about him so we can have more of a holistic understanding of who he is. See, I don't want to love the God I created in my own mind. I don't want to love a God that I've come up with myself. I don't want to love a God just by ooey-gooey feelings. I want to love the God of the God who said in his own word, this is who I am and this is how you can love me. You don't have to guess. I want to love the God who wrote the scriptures about himself. And he gave us these scriptures and he gave us his spirit to not just read the Bible, but to do what it says, motivated by love for and to the author and point of the entire book. Listen, um, just so you guys know, you've probably already realized this, but we're all going to have a lot more downtime. Did you guys know this? And I know we can find ways to fill our schedules with stuff. I know Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, HBO, Disney Plus, and many other streaming outlets are going to be used a lot more than usual over the next few weeks. But I want to encourage you. Let's go old school, guys. Let's open our actual Bibles the physical ones. Let's open them. Let's not worry about Wi-Fi to see if our app works. Let's open our physical Bible and read it. Read it a few times. Meditate on God's decrees. Read what he says and pray that you would put into practice his commands in a new way and in a new context. So then it goes on in Matthew 22, verse 38. Jesus says, this is the first and greatest commandment, to love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets, prophets hang on these two commandments. The entire Old Testament hangs on these two commandments, which Jesus was the fulfillment of. So now he says it hangs on these two. So let's be real because the world's a little different today than it was a week ago. How do we love our neighbors as ourselves when there is a societal res uh, restriction of being near anyone? Listen, how you respond to this pandemic will dictate how people view your faith. Let me say that again. How you respond to this pandemic will dictate how people on the outside looking in view your faith. I'm not saying be reckless. Don't lick doorknobs or borrow people's ha handkerchiefs, okay? But we can absolutely be available to talk, be available to pray, to care for people who are maybe are much, much more scared than a person who believes in a sovereign God over the world's every chromosome and atom. So love your neighbor as yourself. Treat others with the care and thoughtfulness you care for yourself. Pastor Mike had to stand out there and turn a few people away. That sucks for him. It sucks for the people that wanted to come and just worship, but we don't want to put them at risk, and we don't want to put us at risk, because we want to love our neighbor as ourselves, and Jesus even says, love one another, and he points out the church, and he says, care for them specially, because the world will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. 
And so we have the opportunity to act. But the way that we're going to act, the way that we're going to apply God's word is going to look a little different today than it would a week ago. God in the flesh took the entire Old Testament law and synthesized it to love God and to love others. Both the one another's, the people in the church, the people that are part of God's community, to love our enemies and to love our neighbor who is possibly neither to love one another or our enemy. Love God by loving the world, he says. Caring for the world, being an example and a messenger of grace. We get to do this even now, church. Being quarantined doesn't mean we are without the ability to influence others, so get creative. Do you have people in this community's cell phone number? Like, do you have anyone's cell phone number? I'm not talking about mine. I get plenty of texts. Do, do you have anyone's cell phone number in this community? Text or call them to see how they're doing. Maybe you don't have their number. Maybe you're thinking of someone today. They're put on your heart, and they're not in this room, or maybe they're going to be in second service. You're going to miss them. Email Robin and say, hey, I want to get in touch with this person. Do you guys have any contact info? And we will do our best to connect people. Reach out to people in your sphere of influence that are yet to know Christ and see how they're doing. See if they need anything. If you're feeling bold, ask them how you can pray for them. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, Paul says to the church in Rome, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's be ministers to those around us. You don't need to be licensed or ordained to minister. You don't need permission to minister if the Spirit of God indwells you. And if you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you have been saved. And you weren't just saved from an eternity without God. You were saved to his family to be a minister of reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 through 20, Paul says it this way, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. And he has committed to us, church, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, as God were making known the gospel through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Hear me, church, this is a sweet opportunity to influence people with the gospel to point them towards dependence upon Jesus. So don't think that just because we're supposed to be six feet away from each other, that the commands of the Lord take a hiatus. Let's be the church to the world who is hurting, who is scared, and who is stationary. A.W. Tozer said it this way, a scared world needs a fearless church. A scared world needs a fearless church. Why? Because we're in Christ. This hasn't happened in a time without mobile technology. Let's leverage iMessage, Google Groups, FaceTime, Zoom calls, Skype, instant message, direct message, phone calls, carrier pigeons for the glory of God's name. You don't have to lead all your neighbors and friends to Jesus, but what if God is drawing them through this current circumstance? Wouldn't you want to be a part of what God is doing even when the world thinks we're taking a break from church? 
wouldn't it just be like God to use a time period where many think that being the church isn't possible? Listen, we may be coming in today to worship corporately, but you don't go to church. We are the church. And never has there been a more unprecedented time to be the church to a people who need Jesus Christ. This is, the one, this is one of the ways that we fulfill the Great Commission in a quarantine society. Let me read it to you. I know you've all tattooed it on your bodies. Matthew chapter 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And surely, Jesus says, he is with us always till the very end of the age. Listen, I've been discipling men on FaceTime and on Zoom and phone calls for many years. So for some of you, this may not be ideal, but maybe you're going to have to use this technology that exists to point people towards Jesus. But connect with some people that you wouldn't normally when you didn't have the time. Open the Bible with them, read together, talk about takeaways, and pray for one another on the phone. Let's not take for granted all the communication technology that began right here in Silicon Valley and is available to us at our fingertips. So maybe we won't have baptisms this month, but that doesn't mean we can't be immersed together in studying and loving the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. I don't know about you, but I love to worship by myself. That didn't mean we were going to lock the doors and tell everyone to leave. What that means is when I'm writing a sermon, when I'm spending time by myself, I love to play worship music. I love to sing worship music. I generally shut my doors so not everyone in the staff has to hear me do this. Mike actually got me earphones just so I could just listen and he didn't have to hear it. Kidding. So even if next week we, ha we can't worship corporately like we're doing right now, we can still sing praises to our God with those who are in our home. We'll make playlists that we'll communicate out to everybody that's on an email list for the church in the possibility that the rules of congregating become even more stringent because of safety concerns. But see, Jesus doesn't say he was with us only when we're together. Even though he is with us when we're together, he's with each of us. He's indwelled us with the Holy Spirit. His disciples, those of us who have trusted him, he wants to use this peculiar time to grow us spiritually more into his likeness. So don't miss out on this opportunity. Don't miss out on this opportunity to open this book and actually get to know your God a little bit better because you can't do the things that would normally distract you from doing this. We've studied and talked through the early church, the church of Acts, if you will, many times. And one of the things that a mentor has said to me is, we all want to be the church of Acts, and we all end up being the church in Corinth. And that's true. But look at how the book of Acts, the early church starts after Peter preaches at Pentecost. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they, the people that have committed their lives to Jesus because of believing that Jesus rose from the dead, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. I love the early church's example. This is what men and women did together right after Jesus resurrected from the dead, right after Jesus showed himself to hundreds of people, right after Jesus ascended to heaven, told the disciples to wait, and then the Holy Spirit came, and all of a sudden the world was changed. 
They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to these things. And we're working on ways to figure out how to do this both virtually or just differently, but they were devoted to the Word and to prayer. Listen, that's easy, if you will. Breaking of bread could also mean that in your home while you eat with your family, as you have a meal together, you remember what Jesus has done for you. You remember the fact that He has died in your place. And fellowship may mean at an arm's distance, but it doesn't mean that we cannot partner in the gospel constantly, even if we're not in the same room. Look at what continued in the church in Acts, in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Can you imagine that? For from time to time, those who owned land and houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put them at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Listen, I'm not reading that, so you will now go sell your house and then give it to the church. Not at all. But we want to be a generous church. We know that this is a time that's messing not only with our rhythms, but it's messing with our finances. It's messing with our ability to function properly for a bunch of different reasons. We want to be able to help as a church community. So if you need anything, if you think that this community may be able to help you with something, even if it's prayer or just someone to talk to, I want you to contact the church. Go on the website, say contact COV, send an email. Go to our website. Send an email to Robin if you have her email. We don't have bulletins today, but, but it, robin.tillman at covalley.com. We have deacons and others who want to serve in this way. We want to know about the needs within the church, and we want to have the opportunity to connect with you and be the church because we don't go to it, we are it. Our offices are going to be closed from our normal office hours. But you can email, you can call the church. If we don't answer, we'll check the message. We'll do our best to respond in a timely fashion. Some of you have asked, well, if there aren't going to be services, maybe, um, and I can't join you uh, because of risk, how can I give? You can go online, pay via PayPal. It's on the website. You can mail a check. Remember checks? You can drop an offering at the office when you know someone will be there to receive it. Or you can just wait. But we want you to be able to worship in such a way that you don't allow this circumstance to stop you from giving the praise that Jesus deserves. We hope that even though we will have to do things differently, we will take advantage of the time that we have to minister to our church family, our oikos, our extended household, through other means of communication. We've been going through the book of John for quite a while. We're taking a break from the series for now until we can all come back together and worship as a whole. But I want to point you to a passage that we would have studied next week if we had continued in the series. Here's what it says in John 16, 31 through 33. Listen to this. Do you now believe, Jesus replied? A time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, <laughs> each of you to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace." 
In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Now listen, context determines meaning, all right? He's not talking about you in 2020 because of the coronavirus. But Jesus was going to be wrongly accused. He was going to be tried, convicted, and crucified in just a few hours after he spoke these words to the apostles, and the world would never be the same. Not because a man from Nazareth taught or spoke really well, or because he found an unlikely band of misfits to follow him. The world would never be the same because on the very next day after these words were spoken, the onlookers, the Jews, the Roman government believed that they had crucified a blasphemer for claiming that he was God. But let me emphasize and remind us that that man wasn't just a man, but God in the flesh. And on the third day, Jesus left the grave. He didn't stay isolated in the tomb. He defeated death that was supposed to keep him in that grave. He moved a rock that was supposed to keep him in the tomb. He showed himself to hundreds of people as alive as he was before he died. He confirmed his message of the kingdom of God, and he destroyed any authority that Satan thought that he had. Listen, church, friends, brothers, sisters, we will get through this. Amen? We will be stronger and more refined because of it. We will praise the name of Jesus together again in this life and the next. Because friends and family, Jesus is risen. Look at Paul's words as he was brought before a king to testify and defend his faith not too long before he died. So then, King Agrippa, Paul says, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and in all of Judea, and, to the, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That is why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me, but God has helped me to this very day, so I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead, would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. Listen, we're not going to stop preaching Christ crucified and resurrected we won't keep, we won't stop from pointing people to repent in response to God's grace in Jesus. We will not discriminate against Jew or Gentile. We are the church of the living God, and we know this because he has risen. I want to close with these words of the writer of Hebrews as he concluded the letter that was written through the work and the will of the Holy Spirit. He writes these words, and I want you to hold on to these. I want you to be reminded of these words. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 through 21. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. We're going to minister. We're just going to have to do it differently. But church doesn't stop. The people of God don't stop. We're going to point people to Jesus, even if we have to be at an arm's length.
but let's use the opportunity that we have right now with technology to be serious about our King. Worship team, why don't you come on up? And as you get set up and as you get ready, man, I know most of you, especially in a room where it's a lot smaller. Like I could like, I could be like, hey, Sam, how are you? What's up, Big Joe? What's going on? Ruth, Kyle, how are you doing? I can do that when it's this size. And I say that because I want you to know that this is not about coming to church. This is a societal time where some people feel like they have to be in church or they lose your, their salvation. Salvation was a gift. God's not going to take it back. But listen, we get to be the church to one another. We get to love one another. There are people in this room that are yet to commit to Jesus. How much like God would it be for God to draw you in the middle of the coronavirus epidemic? So I would encourage you as we sing these songs, as we're not going to pass the bags, Amen. As we sing these songs, ask the Lord to give us faith. Ask the Lord to give us a heart to want Him and to trust Him and to love Him. May we believe in the triune God who did for us what we could not do for ourselves. That God took on flesh and He came and He walked among us and He lived the perfect life that you and I couldn't live. He died on a cross because He loved the world so much and he wanted to obey the father perfectly and he stood in the gap so that we could be before the father he was in a tomb for three days friday night all of saturday sunday morning but then he victoriously came out of that grave and we put all our eggs in that basket pun intended and believe that God's at work in his people. And so may you not allow this circumstance to change the fact that God is God, we are not, and we need him. Let me pray.